This morning, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5, and this is the beginning of Jesus' most famous teaching, commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. He started with a series of blessings for those that live by the principles of the kingdom. And he tells us who we are supposed to be, not just what we're supposed to do, but who we should be. Who we are is important to the Lord. It's not just about us being religious or keeping a set of rules, but he teaches us who we're supposed to be. And when we become who we're supposed to be, I want to tell you there are great blessings that follow. Anybody want to be blessed? Well, Jesus calls us blessed in this passage in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to begin from verse 1, and I just want to read through verse 10 today. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." In each of these Beatitudes, Jesus not only tells us that we're blessed, but he tells us how we're blessed in each one of these blessings. And, you know, the opposite of what Jesus said, well, I think that would just be the Beatitudes of the kingdoms of this world. They go kind of like this. Blessed are those who don't need anything. Blessed are those who laugh, the assertive who demand their way, those who hunger and thirst after earthly desires, those who are critical and demand justice, those whose hearts are divided, those who thrive on conflict and tension, those who are spoken well of even when they do wrong. I want to tell you that's a pretty fair description of the attitudes of the world sometime. But Jesus said, Matthew 5, 3, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. And that's where we want to start this morning. As so often is the case, I want to say it again, the principles of the kingdom are in direct opposition to the principles of this world. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The world says that we're blessed when we have a lot of stuff. In fact, some Christians say that. Blessed are those who have great ability. Some Christians say that. Blessed are those who have great intelligence. Oh, yeah. Blessed are those that are self-reliant, the independent, the self-confident. That's how many would put it today. You know what? There were people, teachers during Jesus' day that would have put it that way. But Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, as we go through these beatitudes, I want to tell you, starting right here, there's some of these that on the face of it, you just say, blessed? Blessed are the poor in spirit? That doesn't sound great to me. 
But we need to see that these are the principles of the kingdom. And when Jesus calls it blessed, it's blessed. Jesus makes a divine declaration here. When he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, this isn't just a nice, you know, pretty thing, religious thing to say. He is stating spiritual truth, absolute truth. The poor in spirit, they are blessed. They are blessed because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Jesus begins with the poor in spirit here because until we have realized our poverty of spirit, well, the truth is we can't be forgiven. Until we realize our poverty of spirit, we can't enter the kingdom at all. Until we realize our poverty of spirit, we are keeping ourselves back from all of the other blessings of God that he would pour into our our life. But when we are poor in spirit, then we know that we are the subjects of his kingdom, that the king rules and reigns in our life. We welcome King Jesus to reign in our life when we are poor in spirit. And all that that kingdom brings with it. When Jesus preached the kingdom, the sick were healed, the bound were set free. It is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. You see, we come to Jesus poor in spirit. We come to him bankrupt. Bankrupt spiritually. We have nothing to offer spiritually. Empty. We come to him. But when we come to him that way, that he gives us the kingdom, then we have everything then we have everything that we need in this kingdom. What a blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. How wonderful it is to be that one who has the kingdom of heaven in your life. You know, when you talk about the poor in spirit, uh, some people think that you're talking about being poor financially and, you know, I want to tell you, you can be poor financially and not poor in spirit. You can still be prideful. You can still think that you're good apart from him. No, to be poor in spirit is something different than being poor financially. But it is true that when we're not poor financially, it can be difficult sometimes for us to get to the place where we really realize that we need to be poor in spirit. But you know, in this world, sometimes people think that it's spiritual to be poor. Now, not as much as a few years back. Did you know it's actually written into the laws of our land that a minister can take a vow of poverty? Like that's a spiritual thing to do, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be uh, in poverty all my life. I don't, I don't really think that that glorifies God. <laughs> Just saying, I see in the Bible where God always blessed his people and provided for them. And certainly in our generation, we've seen the abuse of some who use the Word of God as, as a way to become rich. Y'all really quiet, but I mean, sometimes, you know, 
You take a truth and you take, you take it to an extreme and you, you fall off into the other side of the ditch and you, you make a falsehood out of it. But the, the other is also false, that it's spiritual to be poor financially. That doesn't make you spiritual, you know. One little boy, he, he came up to the pastor after the service and he said, when, when I get big, he says, and I make money, I'm, I'm going to give you some money. And the pastor said, well, that's very nice, but why, why do you say that? He said, because my daddy said, you're one of the poorest preachers we've ever had. <laughs> I don't want to hear that today. I'm just saying. But here's, here's what I really want to get at, though. It's not about being poor financially, and yet Jesus makes it clear that sometimes it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I want to talk about that for just a minute. It's Matthew 19, 23. Jesus said to the disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Who said this? Jesus. And you know what? That makes it so. Now, I think we here in affluent America, we kind of struggle with some of these things, but we need to hear it anyway. But you see, sometimes the rich get used to paying their way, earning their way. In their pride, they want to trust in themselves or in their success and in their money. And so Jesus says it's hard for them to enter the kingdom of heaven. The disciples, when they heard it, verse 25, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, possible, but with God all things are possible. So it's possible for the rich to get saved. Amen. <laughs> now, listen, not just the rich. It's possible for the person with the high IQ to get saved. It's possible for that person that's got all kinds of talent and ability, great success. It's possible for them to get saved. But sometimes... It's difficult. It's hard. You know, I don't think that in our time that we live in, in our culture, that it's just the rich. No, I think sometimes it's the intelligent and the educated. It's the one with great ability. It's the, one, the ones that think of themselves as good people. It's like Pastor Jonathan preached that great message on Mother's Day, but you know, they've done more good than bad. I'm a good person. I want to tell you, we all come to Him bankrupt. That's the only way. We come to Him without anything to offer except our lives. Doesn't matter how much money we have, how smart we are, how educated, how strong, how good we are. We are spiritually bankrupt before Him. But in the church culture of the day, it has steered toward the rich and the gifted and talented, those with something to offer. We, we need to guard against accepting the attitudes of the world. But it is amazing how this, this has just kind of become part of the church culture. I'm going to mess with you a little bit this morning. We need to be messed with about this. I just want you to understand. See, sometimes in church culture today, oh, we need some people with a lot of money. I just want to say, those of you with a whole lot of money, we love you. We're glad you're here. I don't want to offend you if you got a lot of money. Thank God for you. But I just want you to understand, God doesn't need somebody's money. 
You know what? I hope, I hope that all of the gifted and talented people come to Grace Church. I welcome them. I also welcome the ones with absolutely no talent. You see, we need to get this attitude out of here that somehow the church and God need people with talent and power and influence. No. Our God has always chosen the weak things. He's chosen the foolish, and he's chosen the things that are nothing so that he gets all of the glory. We don't need the strength of man. And I'm telling you, in the church, we need to put aside this attitude that, oh, I'm bringing a lot to the kingdom. Well, you come to the kingdom with nothing or you don't come. The kingdom belongs to the poor in spirit. And you see that old human pride, oh, how it plays well into religion. There is no worse pride than religious pride. That's right. we, it seems like it's almost encouraged now. Bring your pride into church. You're something. And that want to be acknowledged. You know, Jesus talked about those that wanted to be acknowledged for their great giving. Oh, no. No, we need to remember that all of us, this is a common denominator. All of us come to him broken, poor in spirit, with nothing to offer but ourselves. In James chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, it says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality, favoritism, for if there come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and you say to him, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and have become judges with evil thoughts? There's that guy. Man, he's big. People know him. He, he has a lot of influence. Ooh, if we can get him in our church. Ooh, let's get him. Praise God that he's here. Partiality, favoritism. And the other end of that spectrum it points out so clearly here. The one who has nothing to offer, who can do nothing for you, See, we got to get those attitudes out of the church. And here's part of the reason why. Not only, not only because we need to not show partiality and favoritism, but it says something about our own heart and our own attitude. We don't really understand what it is to be poor in spirit, to be bankrupt before the Almighty. That We're not coming and bringing, look at me, what I've got to offer. Lord, what I've got to offer? Nothing. This broken vessel. Go way too quiet. I know this stuff is not exactly what you hear all the time. You don't hear this on Christian radio. And people just gloss over these verses like they're just some pretty flowery language and let's get on to something else that we like. But I just want you to understand, if we really get th this is who Jesus called blessed. When Jesus calls you blessed, that's a wonderful thing. And he calls those that are poor in spirit blessed. 
to be poor in spirit, we got to realize our desperate need for the Lord. When you're desperate for the Lord, and then you're ready for Him to rule in your life. I think a lot of people struggle with making Jesus Lord because they're just not desperate enough. And please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, but some people just aren't messed up enough yet. I mean, you know, I'm not saying you got to be messed up to come to Jesus, but I'm just saying that you got to get to the place where you are desperate for Him, that you're so desperate for Him, you want Him to be Lord in your life. I mean, when you're at the bottom of the barrel and you realize, hey, this ain't working. Jesus, I need you to be the king of my life. I need you to bring your kingdom into my life and take control. I want to tell you, that's something that Jesus can work with when we get to the place where we are poor in spirit. You know, Jesus is talking about our spiritual need. And until we get to that place, we can't really enter into the kingdom. And, you know, in this monumental teaching of Jesus, he starts with this, blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's two Greek words that are used in the New Testament in the original text for the word poor. One of them means meager means. It is the word that is used when it talks about a poor widow woman who gave her two mites, just just a tiny little bit of money. And Jesus said she, she had given more than everybody else because they gave out of their wealth and she gave out of her need. And that word meager means, it means that she's poor But she has meager means, she has something. But the word that is used here when Jesus talks about us being the poor in spirit, this word doesn't mean meager means, it means bankrupt. It means you have nothing to offer. And in our pride, Some of us are struggling right now because we're saying, hey, i got a lot to offer. No, we are spiritually bankrupt when we come to Him. We don't have anything to offer Him but ourselves. To be poor in spirit. It doesn't mean that you don't know anything about spiritual things. It doesn't mean that you haven't received of Christ's riches. It simply means that in our attitude towards God, we recognize that apart from Him, we are bankrupt. That without Him, we are nothing, and we have nothing. Mm, This is flies in the face of the pride of man, but... I want to tell you, in view of eternity, apart from Him, we are nothing and we have nothing. And we can do nothing. I always clarify when I say, when I, when I read this, Jesus says in John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. I mean, there's a whole lot of people in this world doing a lot of things without Jesus. But He's talking about anything that matters for eternity. He's talking about anything that would bear fruit in your life that's meaningful. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And you see, that is our spiritual condition in the state that we come to Him. We can't do anything without Him. But it's not only how we come to Him. He said this to the disciples. 
Without Him, we still can't do anything. And see, we need to get this this morning. This isn't just for the lost that you got to become spiritually poor. you got to acknowledge that you are poor in spirit. It means even for us, we need to always have this mindset that apart from Him, I am desperate for Him. Every day, I never realize it more than before I preach, uh, before a service, a funeral, any of those kinds of things, how I'm desperate for the Lord's help because I know apart from Him I can do nothing. But the truth is, is that we all should have this mindset every day of our life. I'm desperate for the Lord. i got to have the Lord in my life just as much or more so than the day I got saved. I need Jesus every day. Without Him, I'm nothing. Where would I be <laughs> without the Lord? See, this poverty of spirit, it doesn't come naturally to us. It's not something that's celebrated in our culture. No, our culture emphasizes self-reliance and self-confidence and I can do it. No, it's I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Apart from Him, He says, I can do nothing. But the kingdom belongs to those that know. Without Him, I can do nothing. I have nothing. But with Him, I can do all things. With Him, I have everything. Because I have the kingdom. To be poor in spirit. It speaks of an attitude of humility instead of pride. Pride causes us to want to compare ourselves with others. It makes us feel better. Look how much better I am. Here's an example of silly, foolish, religious pride. So let's just say that you owe a trillion dollars and the person sitting next to you or down the row there, they owe a trillion dollars. And so you pay 10 cents on your debt and they didn't pay anything. Well, I'm better than them, 10 cents better. That's ridiculous. It's even more ridiculous when we go to a holy God and we want to think that we're better than them because, you know, I did something good the other day. And we enter into this human pride of comparison and wanting to look down at other people. Well, this is tough. It's going to get worse <laughs> before it gets better. You see, when, we're, when we are poor in spirit, we don't look down on other people. We don't have any cause to. Because we know that apart from Him, we're not anybody. And it changes the way that we think. It changes the way that we look at others. It changes the way that we talk. It changes the way we treat other people. If we're truly poor in spirit, we act like the subjects of the kingdom if we're poor in spirit. We need to be careful as we serve the Lord that we don't ever lose that attitude of being poor in spirit. 
that we need Him just as much now as we ever did. Do we need the Lord as much as the worst lost sinner? Yes. Yes. Here's the thing. We ought to know it a lot more than the lost sinner. We who serve the Lord and know Him, we ought to know this. That every day I need Him. Every day I'm desperate for the Lord in my life. Isaiah chapter 6 is a wonderful story about an experience that Isaiah had, a vision that he had. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood a seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. and With two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of, or the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. They didn't even have a smoke machine. That's something. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, we, we might want to compare and look down at other people, but when you get a real vision, a fresh revelation, see, Isaiah had such a revelation of the holiness of God. Who, who was this guy? Is this just some reprobate, some old sinner? No, this was God's man of the hour, the prophet of God. And yet when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, when he saw the holiness of God, he said, woe is me, for I am undone. And I'm just trying to make the point to you, you see, that we need to get rid of all of our pride and that that old religious pride and, and realize that if we just have a fresh revelation of the holiness of God, we're undone. That we have nothing to bring. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we come. It is all what He has done and nothing what we have done. And it's amazing to me how sometimes believers know that and yet then they walk away from it and they become prideful and arrogant like Pharisees. It was an awakening, I think, for Isaiah. And some of us need such an awakening. We've become too accustomed, too familiar with the things of God. And we need to go back to the place where we are in awe of Him and realize our desperate need of Him every day. It's a really weak illustration, but a young American student visited the Beethoven Museum in Germany, and the student was so fascinated with Beethoven's piano that was on display there, and they just thought of all of the pieces that Beethoven must have composed on this piano and they wanted to be able to play it just a little bit and so they kind of bribed the guard of the museum and gave them a big tip so that they could sit at the piano and play a few notes and which they did and when they were done this woman she says to the guard she says I guess all piano players that come here 
want to sit at the piano and play just a little bit? And he said, uh, no, the famous pianist Paderewski from Poland was here a while back and he said that he was not worthy to touch it. And this is a weak illustration, but how is it we become so familiar that we no longer have that kind of awe of the presence of God, the holiness of God? And, and how is it that somehow we start thinking that we're something and we take such things for granted? You see, I'm convinced this is a message that the church in America needs today that we need to always be poor in spirit. No matter how much God blesses you, no matter how much He gifts you, no matter how many strengths and how much good you might do, that you always remember that apart from Him, we have nothing. Jesus spoke a parable in Luke chapter 18. He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves. It's verse 9. That they were righteous and despised others. Trusting in yourself is the opposite of being poor in spirit. And we end up looking down on others. Jesus said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Who is right with God? Not the one who says, Lord, I thank you that I am not like. And we need to watch ourselves. We see the wicked of this world, the ungodly things that are going on in our world. And we say, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like that. And we look down at them in pride and arrogance. I just, I just got to go there, okay? It's all of the crazy, ungodly things going on in our world. and This whole thing with especially young people, but so many people being so deceived and so confused and so messed up that they want to be a different gender than the one that God created them. And you see, there's a lot of Christians that are looking down their nose at them and they're being angry and judgmental and mean about it. And I got to tell you, I think it breaks the heart of God. I think it breaks his heart when he sees what is going on with those people. And I have to tell you that for Carmen and I, we've talked about it. It doesn't make me angry at them 
No. They're so deceived. And we might think, oh, but I'm, I'm better than that. Listen, we need to realize, but for the grace of God. You see, we are all spiritually bankrupt without Him. And we can't look down our nose at other people and say, I thank thee, God, that I am not like that. Jesus says it is that tax collector who came and he smote his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, everybody that doesn't sin, I guess you get a pass on this passage. But for the rest of us, that's who we are. We're the one who gets on their knees before God. And we need a little more of this, by the way, and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Any of you sinned this week? Mm -hmm. God be merciful to me a sinner you see it's that one that comes that comes to him broken and contrite poor in spirit he's the one that God justifies that pride is so subtle how it works itself in you can be proud of our humility amen you know, it's like the, you know, our virtues become vices. Our goodness becomes our badness. Like the Sunday school teacher who told the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And when he was done, he said, children, let's all bow our heads. and Let's thank God that we are not like the Pharisee. Okay. poor in spirit. They have this broken, contrite heart before God because we are aware that we need His forgiveness always. Psalm 51 and 17, David said, a broken and contrite heart, these, O God, you will not despise. See, He'll never turn you away if you come to Him and admit your need of Him. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that an amazing thing that our God will never turn us away if we come to Him and admit our need and how much we desperately need Him? All of us who are born again, we know that Jesus paid the price for us on the cross, that our righteousness is by faith in Him. But there's this danger that we're blessed in so many ways that sometimes we forget how much we need Him. In Revelation chapter 3, you can read about the lukewarm church. And even though these believers seemed to have everything, they became lukewarm. And in many ways, I think it is a picture of the church in America. But part of the root issue here is that they no longer realize their desperate need. I want to read it to you from Revelation 3, 15 through 18. He says, I know your works, that you're neither hot nor or cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I've become wealthy, I have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And there's the root of the problem. They think that they've got it all together. They don't think they need anything. And Jesus says they're wretched, poor, blind. Wretched, poor. 
blind and naked. You think that you have need of nothing. And I just want to say this clearly this morning. You see, all of us need Him desperately. We don't get to the place where we've got it all together. I'm good. You know what happens when people think that? They're no longer opening that door saying, Jesus, come in and sup with me. They get to the place where they're just, you know, they're still religious. They still go to church some and they still pray some. But they've lost that closeness with Jesus. They're no longer desperate to have Him in their life. They no longer realize that desperate need of Him. We are blessed when we're poor in spirit with His reign and rule in our life. What a wonderful thought that the Most High God You see, when you are part of that kingdom, He is watching over you. He is the master of your life. He is in control. Worries and fears are gone. All your needs are taken care of. You are free from fear and bondage, free from the dominion of darkness. This is the kingdom of God. The poor in spirit, Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How wonderful to have that kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's a beautiful example of the poor in spirit in the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. There's a man that had two sons. His younger son comes to him one day and he demands to have his inheritance He wants to go out and live life and do his own thing. And he demands to have. The father gives it to him and so he takes it and he leaves and he goes and he wastes everything on wild, sinful living. Then there's a famine in the land. And this young man finds himself without anything to eat. He's wasted everything. All that was given to him, he wasted it. Doing it his way. But he hires himself out to a farmer. And as he's feeding the pigs, the Bible says he longed to eat the pig food. There's another word for pig food. Slop. He longed to eat the pig slop. That's how hungry he was. And then something happened to him. He came to himself. He came to his senses. The light came on. He had this realization. He said, how many of my father's servants have more than enough to eat? And he said, I will go and I'll tell him I have sinned 
make me. I'm no longer to be called your son. He says, make me like one of your hired servants. And he goes home. The father comes running to meet him and embraces him. I want you to realize that this young man, when he came home, he was poor. He was poor in spirit. He said, I'm not worthy. You see, when we're not poor in spirit, we start thinking that we deserve things. We become ungrateful toward God. We no longer appreciate all of the daily blessings that He has poured into our lives. But when we are poor in spirit, then we appreciate everything. The Father says, bring the best robe. He didn't say bring an old rag. He said bring the best robe. He said bring shoes for His feet. Put a ring on His finger. He didn't deserve any of it. But he came home poor in spirit. The older brothers, the picture of the religious person who think they deserve. He was angry. He thought he deserved everything. And it made him mad that the younger brother was being treated so and being blessed. And sometimes it's that way where people look down on others and they they don't think that they deserve anything. It's not our place to judge. And I just want want you to hear this this morning though. All of us, on some level deep down in our heart, we know that we got to come to Him poor in spirit and broken. There's not one of us that doesn't need His forgiveness, that doesn't need His blessing in our life, that doesn't need His help and His strength. Every single one of us. And I encourage you this morning, listen, I really believe that God is dealing with hearts today. And I encourage you this morning, you just let God have His way in you. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray and I'd like for prayer partners to come.